Now, please remain standing for a reading of God's Word. Beloved, now open your Bibles to Exodus. Book of Exodus, chapter 20. Our text will be verses 8 through 11. If you have that, look up and I'll commence my reading. Okay. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner that is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray. Lord, teach us what it is to experience a blessed day. Teach us, Lord, how you make a distinction between the holy and the profane. Teach us, Lord, the difference between playing in the shadows and experiencing the essence, the reality of your presence in every ordinance. We thank you, Lord, for every commandment. And tonight we thank you for your holy Sabbaths. We pray that we would avail of your will always to understand it as you would have us to understand it and no otherwise. And we pray, Lord, that by your grace, we would be obedient for all your commandments are good and you are a good God and you desire all good things for us. So teach us, Lord, your ways, your holy and ancient paths, and may all your people profit always in the nearness of our God, but especially on your holy day. We pray through Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. This morning I alluded to the fact that uh, those ten virgins waiting for our Lord's return had oil, that they needed to avail of the oil, and then likened the oil uh, to the, the holy christening of the Holy Spirit. I think it's amplified there for us in the parable. Uh, the, the Spirit is the one that gives the gifts and the talents that will be spoken of in the next parable. It also, the Holy Spirit is the one that gives the graces uh, to serve the Lord and uh, to do good to all people, to be merciful to all, uh, and uh, that is the chapter 25. But I mentioned that uh, the, the oil may be procured by the merchants. Uh, they're depicted in the parable. And uh, those merchants, I think, are the means of grace. The ordinances are God's ordinances. And the Lord has promised to meet us in every ordinance. Ordinances uh, are different than commandments because the Lord has given us these ordinances in terms of positive commandments. We by no means could have thought that the Lord would want us to uh, pour water or baptize people in his name as an entry right into the church. That has to be revealed to us. Baptism is an ordinance. He meets us there. He gives us a sign and seal. Uh, but it's not a mere sign and seal. You might avail by faith of the Lord as you follow the sign to that which is pointed. Same way in the Lord's table of, the, of itself. It does nothing. It, it does not work of itself. It is a sign. It, it is a seal. It's an ordinance. It's a positive law. And uh, we would not have known that that positive law is something good for us. Except that he has promised that it would be such. And uh, we really do dine spiritually in Christ. We see his body broken, uh, the only perfect man that ever kept a covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ, freely offering himself as, the, as a sacrifice and a substitute for our, our sin, for our guilt. And... Uh, the body is broken. It's a symbol of covenant breaking. 
but he is the covenant keeper. And we in him are also covenant keepers. Anyway, the ordinances are, as it were, tonics. They keep us awake in our pilgrim driving. Uh, that was this morning's uh, illustration anyway. All those ordinances, or most of them, my friends, are best, best received on the positive law commandment indicating which day of the week God would prefer. You see that all mankind owes God tribute and should return to him is in our moral fiber. It's only just that we look to the origins. Where did we come from? Isn't that the subject of astronomy? And why are we here? Isn't that the subject of philosophy? The testimony of man's yearnings everywhere. It's written in the very fiber of our nature. Even fallen, we can still trace out that impulse, that instinct. Now, a positive law has the advantage that if we know, if we know the king or the, the head uh, who speaks that law to be good and sovereign, and we can recognize his voice, we will see and believe that his word is good. And as he has made a distinction one day in seven, well, it doesn't make any sense in our nature. There's nothing in our nature that said that this is, why would Sunday be any better than Saturday or Friday? Except that we have come to know the Lord as being trustworthy and that he has indeed promised something for us on the Lord's day. It's not merely a law. It is a law. But in as much as it is an ordinance, you see that there's a promise. A promise of blessing. A promise of long life to those who would keep it. And so in the law itself, there's a, there's a kernel of gospel praise, of gospel grace to those who believe it and follow him as he has promised, and find the rest. Now, how is that possible? All of God's ordinances come to us as laws. Now, we don't, we're not blessed by keeping ordinances. Even in the New Testament, if we were to, to be expecting blessings by keeping ordinances per se, then we would be accused rightly of being legalists. The ordinances do nothing. Playing in the shadows of ordinances, Namely, for instance, keeping the Sabbath carnally, desisting from work, or as most people keep Sabbath in America today, if they do keep a Sabbath, just doing nothing. That's a Sabbath, doing nothing. That's playing in the shadows. That's not using the day to free oneself up to reach for the realities. And a day is as a day is an ordinance. As every ordinance is, you may re, you may remain resting in the ordinance, thinking that children can somehow profit something by the swallowing of bread and wine, or you may trace the ordinance to the thing that is pointing in Christ and rest in Christ and delight in Christ and eat His body and live everlastingly. That's the nature of an ordinance. The Sabbath is no different. And the teaching, as I have presented already, shows us more or less the moral law of it. And I mentioned the positive day, that uh, the positive law that, that, that indicates the day of his choice. And so I don't, I don't want to re repeat much of that. I just want to go over what the main teaching here is and fill out even more, especially that, that notion that this day, since it is a positive law, and so we don't have anything in our moral fiber as creatures to remind us which day is to be uh, sanctified, blessed, and kept holy. The Lord must tell us. And that's why the word remember. Because we're prone to forget. We must be reminded. And for that we have his word and that we have also his spirit, which uh, speaks to us and leads us mysteriously. 
as God's people. He has not left us bereft. He's not left us bereft of, uh, of these resources. But the, anyway, the teaching here is that Jehovah God commands His redeemed covenant people to keep one day uh, in the week holy to the Lord in distinction to the other six days of the week. And here you must cease all regular work on the Sabbath day and find delight in resting with your God. It's a day of delight and resting. It's a holy resting. Otherwise, it's not a Sabbath. I mentioned in the first point last time that Jehovah commands you to keep holy the days that He's appointed in Scripture, and uh, only He can declare something holy. Uh, isn't that what we're looking to in the, in the last day of the, the, the judgment? He's going to pronounce us righteous and uh, holy to Himself. Uh, we can't declare something holy that, uh, nilly-willy. We can't declare a positive law in the church. We, 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 can, we are not magistrates to invent laws and, uh, and statutes and commandments. We are only stewards, and we are ministers. We, uh, that is to say, a minister, what does he do? He relays the, 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 the stewardship that is entrusted to him. He communicates it, he lays it, and he plies it, and he applies to uh, his hearers. But Jehovah commands his people, you, in the hearing of his word, to keep holy the days that he's appointed in Scripture. Also, uh, the number point number two in my outline was that the Sabbath is sanctified when we enjoy a holy rest, a holy and blessed rest on that day. Uh, I mentioned all that just by way of review. I mentioned um, that it is, uh, it is a mark of the primitive society of persons that uh, the secret and mystery of really understanding the Sabbath is the delight that God has in, uh, in himself uh, ad intra, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. After he had rest, after he had created all things, the Lord, as it were, prosaically or in a, as a matter of speaking, resting, rested, and now turned his attention to just the enjoyment of, of themselves in the context of all that they have proclaimed and decreed. And he would include his greatest creature, man. Man who is in his image, who has knowledge and is made righteous and upright and fit for communion with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're talking about something even more basic than creation. We're talking about something that existed before creation. We're talking about society with God or within God. Losing that, we lose not only humanity, we lose God completely. I, I think it's appropriate to say you lose Sabbath, you lose all religion. Sabbath is sanctified when we enjoy a holy rest on that day. The point that I want to take up is the third point in my previous outline, and that is that the Sabbath is profaned when we do not enjoy, when we do not enjoy a holy rest on that day. What I want to say is that a heartless, joyless, legal Sabbath is no holy Sabbath. If we're in the ordinance, as this day is a positive law, and we are participating it begrudgingly, we wake up, and it's a drudgery. Or as it says in the merchants there, in the Old Testament, oh, when will this Sabbath end that we can get back to our, our scales, our trade, our marketing? When will the market open? When, when can we really relish what we really relish? This is a day of experience, my friends. And because it's the last commandment in the first table, it corresponds to the last commandment of the second table. The last commandment of the second table uh, speaks of contented, content, contentedness with all creaturely things under God's providence and care. It's, they still relate to God, but it's, it, 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 it relates to our neighbors, it, it relates to possessions, it relates to other creatures, animals, our possessions. That's the last commandment of the second table, and it, and it deals with our desires. But the, 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 sec, the last commandment in the first table, which is the fourth, has to do with our desires towards God. 
are delight, I mentioned. Not merely contentedness, but far surpassing because the, second, the first table is much more important than the second table. And it's the first table that now secular man has ditched for the most part because God is forbearing and he's patient. He's not always going to be screaming from heaven and punishing all the nations all the time. But I tell you, my friends, that because profanation of the first table is much more serious, that's where the big discipline comes from God to his people in the Old Testament. I'm talking about exile. I'm talking about fierce wars. I'm talking about subjugation. I'm talking about death. The first table where God punishes idolaters and Sabbath profaners and those who would blaspheme his name and corrupt his worship. Well, just look at the testimony that we're going to about, well, we're about to cover it in, in Exodus, earth swallowing uh, false, false worshipers, Leviticus 10. And yet, we have become so secular as to think that, well, I don't know. The important thing is to keep the second table and live peacefully with one another. But that is not the case. A heartless, joyless Sabbath is no holy Sabbath. Isaiah 58, 13 gives us the teaching. If you will call my day, the Lord's day, a day of delight, not doing your own will, you see, then he will give you the inheritance of Jacob and he will have your feet to be as hind's feet in high places. What he's saying, this is, the, this is the language of utter victory. This is the language of, of a free and, and abundant uh, reward or uh, inheritance. How is that? Well, because to delight is, is now you're entering into the experience, the spiritual essence of the commandment, which is a relationship with God. And God who made all things is the most delightful person that you could ever draw near. He is the most beautiful. He is the most majestic. He is the wisest. He is the best. He's the most pleasant. Where does pleasure come from? Satan? Does Satan give us pleasure? God invented pleasure. Don't you know he knows something about delightfulness and abundance of beauty and joy and laughter? So, if you enter into this day and into the ordinance and are playing in the shadows, you will never find the joy of it. You will always think it's a drudgery and you'll always complain. But if you break through the topical understanding of what this commandment is and actually attain to God as he meets you here, then you will know the delight of your Lord. Of your Lord. And such a person having God attains to all things. Do you not see this? It's one thing to, to admire a good day on the beach. It's another thing altogether to enjoy the, the one who made the beach and all things and has the beach in himself because God is all in all. And not only the beach, but the, 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 the vastest depths of the ocean and the far out coastal islands, everything is in God, and God is everything to those who have God. You sell yourselves, you sell yourselves incredibly short and shortchange your souls when you take this commandment as something legalistic, hard, puritanical, tyrannical. You've missed the point. You have missed the point. If you are not content to worship God as he is commanded in the first table, I don't know that you understand the teaching of the first table. It's all there so we might avail of who God is. Because we are so prone to have false gods or to worship God in false ways, thinking that we will avail of him in uh, manners that are not blessed by him, 
are not sanctified, are not the ways of the Spirit, God will not bless in those avenues that we approach him. He only blesses in the ways that he has sanctified that approach. And that's in his ordinances through the mediator of the covenant of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is in here mediating that covenant on Sinai. We'll see him mediating in the wilderness later as he leads the children of Israel through the wilderness. But he's the one that dines with Moses and Aaron and the elders. And it's a peaceful meal, even though the, the mountain is aflame with smoke and all that. God is still a God of grace. But he gets our attention, doesn't he? Because we are very prone, we are very prone to wander from him. To merely then cease from our regular work as, you know, the nations require. I mean, there are blue laws here and there still uh, that helps as far as the state is concerned because a state cannot dispense holy ordinances. It pertains to the church to dispense holy ordinances. And the Sabbath is an ordinance because it's a positive law. In fact, it's the ordinance that contains all ordinances. Preaching is an ordinance. Prayer is an ordinance. Baptism is an ordinance. The Lord's table is an ordinance. If we do away with Sabbath, we do away with the mother ordinance governing all other ordinances. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians 16 would not have the right to say, well, look, on the first day of the week when you meet together, take up an offering. Offering has been ordained by God as a, as a means to regularly bless the work of the ministry and to sustain it. He's promised to use that and, and, and make it avail. And so that's why we do it. But in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul wants us to do it on the first day of the week. He would have no, no right to say that unless that is an ordinance. The offering is an ordinance and it's governed by the ordinance of the Lord's day. Positive commandment. To omit the duties of that special day then is to break the fourth commandment. Now, I said, well, now you go. I said, Why are we harping on sin? Sin causes separation. Sin, is pro sin profanes your soul. Sin brings you into slavery. Sin Grace delivers from sin. Grace delivers from Egypt. The people of Israel were taught the ways of God because they were free from Egypt. And the Lord wants you to remain free. So why head back to Hagar? Why, why ditch your liberty when you can enjoy God? He wants you to enjoy him. And when you sin and break the fourth commandment, you separate yourself from God. And you know it because you're not relishing in God. You know it because you're not delighting him to the extent that you could if you were paying attention, if you're paying close and supreme attention to the, to the one who you love supremely. And you know in your soul what you love supremely. And what we have to reckon is, is that God, is it God that I love supremely? You must attend then those things that God calls in his holy ordinance. The assemblies, we, 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 every worship service we have a call to worship. And that's not, that's not merely an invitation. It is an invitation. It's a gracious, a very gracious invitation. But it is a commandment to draw near. And if we don't draw near, we draw apart because we sin. It's an opportunity to come close to God, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And I, if you can think of a better way and a wiser way, then by all means, but I don't know. I'm, I, uh, I have the Bible to guide me, and I think it's sufficient. You must attend the called assembly of God's people. You must spend the whole day in the public and private exercises of God's worship. I know, I know there are things that we must do to sustain ourselves. We must shave. We must shower. We must, there's meals to be prepared. We meet people. We, we talk to them about who they are so we, so we know their situation in life. That's, that's all holy conversation. And it, it, while it may not be formally called fellowship, it is a condition enabling fellowship. It's a, it's a condition that strongly avails for the opportunity of fellowship. And that's why we do it. 
That's why we love to get together. I tell you, it, it, is, it is all about the primitive, the, the primal function of mankind as society. And this society and this commandment insists that God be included. That, it's, that's it. That's the fourth commandment. The most primitive thing before creation, before work, before marriage, before... It's society. And that's what the fourth commandment is about. You must rest from the, uh, the deeds of the flesh especially. Now look, if the ordinance is there that we draw near and we profane the ordinance by deliberate sin, that's, that's a more heinous sin. And I can tell you by experience, the, most thing, the, the worst things that have ever happened in my pastorate here, and you know, some very good things have happened, some very bad things have happened. I mean, it's just a pastor, every, <laughs> every minister will tell you, good, bad, and ugly, that's the church, okay? The worst things that have ever happened here have all happened on the Sabbath. Because we weren't careful. Because we, 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 we should have been paying closer attention. And we transgressed. And it's, you know, if we were Catholic, we'd say it's double points bingo day. To put it in a vulgar way. You must uh, rest from the deeds of the flesh. Sinning is especially heinous on the Lord's day. It profanes its holiness. Idleness is a sin. Idleness is a sin because it's, it's time on the clock just reeling away for nothing. And the time on the Sabbath clock is holy time. And you're just tossing it away. It's precious time. History will one day conclude. And we will be accountable for our hours as well as our thoughts, words, and deeds. What have you done in the days, in the time, in the minutes, in the seconds that God has allotted you? Or do you not think that God is exacting? He knows the last decimal point to, the, to pi. He certainly does. Idleness is a sin, unnecessary engagement of thoughts, words, and deeds. Again, some of this is unavoidable because it's a means to an end of fellowship and all that. So we, yeah, we partake. But the minute we turn our backs and take up bats and gloves and baseballs, I, I, you'll have to explain to me how that, my friends, is a holy fellowship. And I already told you that King James made it intentional. He, he wanted to thwart the Protestant Reformation in England. He wanted to remain king and head of the state and the church. He hated, hated the Reformation. The Anglican religion is a quasi-reformed media, uh, media, uh, via media. Uh, com, uh, sort of a, a, a combination of, of Anglican uh, religion with, with Roman, not purely Reformed. It took uh, another party from Scotland to come down and, and give uh, the Westminster Assembly a little, a little push there uh, and, uh, and, 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 and attempt at least a pure expression of religion. Unnecessary thoughts worldly callings, and recreation. Don't play into the devil's hand here. James knew what he was doing. He didn't want the Reformation. He wanted power. And there's people that have any number of reasons why they want you to profane the Lord's Day. Restaurants. Now, by the way, have mercy on these, have mercy on these people. A lot of them would love not to work on, the, on Sundays. They have no time at all. They work in so many days a week. They're tired. Low wages. They have to work. And we keep them from the delight of their souls. If their if they're elect were, were at cross purposes with Christ and bringing them into his church, because they're not enjoying the ordinances, they're not getting that boost of grace that our, our drive through the wilderness needs to keep us awake. They are, they are languishing, and you're helping their languishment. Do not aid and abate people in unnecessary employment. Some of these uh, shops and restaurants, hospitals are, are, are necessary for maintaining a city. They're, they're works of necessity and mercy in cases. 
But think about what you're doing and liberate those souls that are caged. Even as your soul was once caged and was liberated by the truth as it is in Christ. And the final point is that Jehovah commands you to remember, remember his holy and blessed Sabbath day. It's a positive law. Nothing in your nature will remind you of a specific day. We're prone to forget it. By the way, uh, Francis Nigel Lee, I don't recommend books very often. You know, they're not inspired, but he chronicles the most ancient ages available uh, on record. The chronicles, they weren't even history. They're just chronicles here and manuscripts and tales here. All the ancient people kept a holy day. And many of them had the abdominal cycle, seven, 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 seven. Some tried ten, but somehow the Lord always beat them back. So, no, 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 no. Not ten, seven. Ain't from ancient times. And yet we are, uh, we are prone to forget positive law unless we know the Lord. Then we have it from the, from the mouth of our governor. And we trust him. He's a good and benign king, so let's trust him on this. And this is why our Westminster Confession says that there's more words. There's, there's a great deal more verbiage of explanation added to this commandment. And every commandment that we are prone to so either excuse or not really understand. The fourth has a lot of words. The, the tenth has a lot of words. Because of all the commandments that we are least likely to be aware of and critical of in ourselves, it's our lusts and desires. Because we we're, we're easily excuse our own sins. We excuse our own sins one of another. Somebody corrects us, oh, what is it? You know, I had some bad bacon this morning. It's, it's, I'm sorry. You know, I do it myself, don't you? Don't you try to excuse yourself? We don't like to be caught in sin. The Tenth Commandment nails us. That's what nailed Paul. He was convinced he was a sinner. Paul, the righteous, the self-righteous Pharisee. There's the one I learned about covetousness. The deal's done. I'm dead. When it comes to Sabbath, the deal is done. It's all dead. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's about delight. It's about desire towards God. And that's why the verbiage of explanation and the remembering as a moral law then. You, by nature, perfectly well know that God and His will must be sought as first priority. And knowing that this commandment has to do with, with the most basic of being, of society, it ought to have first priority. It is not the least commandment at all. It has to do with something even more basic than food and work and marriage. It has to do with fellowship. And if we don't understand the commandment that way, we're, we, we've missed it. We're playing in the shadows. And that's no place for Christians. We're not, we're not, we're not keen on ceremony here, except for those things that the God has ordained in his ordinances. God gives you six days to do as you please. He's not stingy. Hey, you can do whatever you want. You know, plant a garden, fine. You want to go buy a hut, fine. Pizza, you want to eat pizza? Order pizza. Stay up all night if you want to, Monday through Saturday, okay? God gives you one day to do as he pleases. It's set apart, it's sanctified, it's distinguished. He gives you his example in creation. The Lord uh, works six days and then he, he, he rests. We have to find out what that means. As we read our Bible, and as we see the unfolding story of redemption, we learn more and more what rest means. But I can tell you, rest, the, the key to rest has to do with that primal society of fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit including the creature. And by the way, you also have fellowship with the angels. The angels are here. I, I don't know if you're very children. I don't know if you're very much aware, but angels attend the public ordinances of God. They delight to see men pr uh, praising God and, and, and uh, speaking of mysteries. I don't know, but maybe sometimes angels learn from us the truth as it is in Christ. That one is explained from the pulpit or in Sunday school. I don't know, but we're in fellowship with those creatures as well. This society is quite large. 
He gives us his example then also in Jesus' ministry. How? I thought Jesus was Lord of the Sabbath, and he says that Sabbath was made for man. It is. It's, it's made for man. It's custom made for man. Because man in God's image has knowledge, and he will work, and man in God's image is upright, and he will seek God, and he desires to be with God, and here's, a perfect, here's the perfect ordinance for him to enjoy God. And Jesus did the great, a great number of stupendous miracles on the Sabbath day to which those who were playing in the shadows never understood. And they, oh, now what's he doing? Healing and this. Why are you you're plucking grains? Ugh. Playing in the shadows, not seeing that this is a mercy, not seeing that love and mercy are the fulfillment of the law, as we'll find in Matthew 25, the last judgment. The basis of all of our works, how merciful were we to God's creatures? We who have tasted mercy in God, are we now unmerciful and binding Kentucky Fried Chicken you know, employees now to their, to their hot oil on Sunday? Is that a mercy? He gives you an example in Jesus Christ who loved to work on the Lord's day. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, does, he still loves to work in his ordinances on the Lord's day. He loves to attend his preaching. He loves to understand, uh, uh, attend his praises. He loves to, under, uh, to, uh, to be there with the sign and seal of the sacraments, of baptism of the Lord's day. He's very, very close to that. And that's the ordinance that he's, that's governing all those other subordinances. And he gives you the, the example of the apostles and the early church. Know your church history. The, Lord, the Lord's day is always exalted in the, in the church history prominent feature of Christianity in distinction to the shadow of the Jewish system. You want to show a break, an exclusion of the people that were cut off and the people that, that are now included, just follow Paul on his journeys. He preached to the Jew on the Jewish Sabbath, which is the, the seventh day of the week. And having either accepted a few of them into the, uh, by the gospel preaching or rejected outright, the next day he preached again. And he met with the same ordinances, <laughs> preaching the prayer, prayers, singing. Only in those ordinances he preached the meaning of all that was shadowy in the Old Testament. That's Paul the missionary. And there could be no greater example of New Testament Christianity than keeping the Lord's day. Because he made a distinction between the Jewish religion and going forward with Christ. Now, although all mankind may forget the Sabbath day, Jehovah, who is Lord of all, will not forget it. I've mentioned many, many times, I love this word blessed, what the Lord blesses, he, he keeps. The blessing of the Lord makes for success and permanence and, fulfill, and fulfillment of its mission. And so if the Lord has blessed anything, it will endure in one way or another, one shape or fashion. It will endure and fulfill the purpose for which he has sent it. And this day is blessed. That word, the blessing of the Sabbath, is what convicted me and converted me to being a Sabbath keeper. So, man, ah, this day is blessed. It's not going away. It never will. And so Jehovah will not forget that day, though everyone else forgets it. And though everybody throw another, any number of King Jameses will throw any number of sports and all, all manner of distraction, the NFL, oh, this is our day. Uh, we own this day. Uh, no, no. And the Lord will show it, but that's not right. The Holy Spirit, and this is probably the, the, the greatest reason we have, we, have to, we have to consider this. The Holy Spirit will write God's law in the hearts of his elect, even in the Old Testament. The promise that the Lord, from Jeremiah 31, the new covenant, you don't, the Spirit didn't wait until the New Testament, until Christ sealed the New Testament in his blood to start having the, the Spirit write the law of God in the people's hearts. The requirement of heart circumcision was a teaching in the Old Testament. You can be circumcised in the flesh and keep the shadows. 
but to keep the essence of fellowship with God in the Holy Spirit, you needed a circumcision of the heart, not made with hands, not made with hands. And the prophets would say, rend your hearts and not your, not your clothing. That's a spiritual regeneration. That's a spiritual conversion. In the Old Testament, those are the people that delighted in God. And that's why Isaiah says, if you, if you then, you guys here, in your, in your days of idolatry, if you'll find your delight in the Lord's day, then he will give you, feed you the inheritance of Jacob, etc. Ezekiel 36, 27, 37, the promise is for those who have the heart circumcision in the Old Testament and the spirits right, written in the heart of flesh in the New Testament that the Spirit will teach and guide them into this enjoyment. Now let me just conclude here and have some other words of application. The teaching uh, so far, Jehovah commands His redeemed covenant people to keep one day in, in the week holy to the Lord in distinction to the other six days of the week. You must cease all regular work and recreation on the Sabbath day and find delight in resting in the nearness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and your neighbor as well. Church sports leagues are, again, I, I cannot see how anyone could possibly draw near to God while focusing on whether that's a curveball or a knuckleball. Working people especially need the Sabbath. This age desperately needs rest. This age desperately needs to answer the question, what is man? What is a good man? What is a good life? The church cannot reform without keeping Sabbath. We are not a reductionist, fundamentalist church here. Believe in Jesus. Everything will be fine. Everything will be pansies and rosies and posies. It's not, it's, it's, it's not like that. The whole counsel of God is going to take time. It's going to take questionnaire. It's going to take discipleship. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take a lot of thought and meditation for you to go forward with Christ. And that's going to take holy time, which God gives you, that you might redeem it for his kingdom purposes. The church will be disciplined and brought to much weakness and much humiliation as it was in the Old Testament through Sabbath desecration. And that's it. That's, that's the Lord's threat to us. Subjugation of nations, humiliation, poverty, distress, anguish. Not punishment for sin, discipline for not, not, for not drawing near to our God. Your witness as a Christian to ancient peoples in the world will all be compromised because of your Sabbath profanation. There's yet a memory in even the most tribal period, uh, people of something, of Eden, something of God working in the first fathers of our race. It was handed down for millennia. It's not going away. People descended from Noah, my friends. And there are ancient stories, however twisted and perverted they get, there's still something there of the society of God with man. You show yourself to be more a creature of time than of regeneration in the eternal age to come through Sabbath profanation. That's the worst part of it. You, 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 you don't have a taste for the powers of the age to come. You don't see, you don't have the earnest. You, you seem to not understand the, the things that the Spirit is giving you and is leading you to. You're merely a creature and not a recreation. It speaks, my friends, of unregeneracy. Highly speaks and highly indicative of a carnal and non-convergent soul. Especially if you don't miss the Lord and miss His ordinances and, that, and that's a double, that's a double uh, profanation. If you sense that you're not growing, if you have plateaued, or if you're languishing, if you leave services empty, 
or you don't know what to do with the information you got during the preaching, or you're not rehearsing the songs or the scriptures, examine this commandment carefully. This may be what you're missing. It's not that you don't have the best pastor in the world. I guarantee you you don't have the best preacher in the world here. Guarantee you. But I can also guarantee you that if you will avail of the ordinance, that God will bless it despite every single blemish, every single one. He works exceedingly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. And we've asked him to bless the congregation. We've asked him to bless the worship, and to bless the preaching. But will you avail of it by faith, knowing what, how it's intended to be carried out? Marriages are languishing. And people are turning to books and say, do this, do that. They don't mean, but if they don't mention the Lord's Day, they're, 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 they're keeping up the key ordinance that unlocks the other ordinances. And Christ meets us in ordinances, chiefly. Oh, he can work up apart from that. He does. He can work against the ordinance. He does. When we get proud and we think we know something about the he works against us and the ordinances. But we're just talking about the things that he's told us to do the way he would prefer. Again, it's a society. Where shall we meet? What time? Where? That's what he's telling us on the Lord's Day. Is Jesus then enough for you? Is his wisdom enough? Is his grace really sufficient for you? What are you doing with the time that God gives you every week to improve? Are you really improving your baptism vows? Or are you, are, 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 have you forgotten that you are under a vow to God by your baptism? Never mind church membership. I think it's a redundancy. I, maybe we should do away with church membership. I don't know anybody who wants to vote on that with me in the General Assembly. Let's go. We have enough in the baptism and a vow. And we revow when we join the church. But we already vowed. It's a sufficient vow to mortify flesh, to fight Satan, to fight the world as a Christian because we belong to God and God is against the world, Satan and the flesh. And God has made a distinction by his promises in the visible church and so that away we go. But we need to avail and we do so in the ordinances of, in the ordinances of God. Diligently keep the ordinances of God. Westminster Shorter Catechism 85. Keeping Sabbath then is at the very heart of who Jesus is. And this is my last thought. This is my last exhortation. I want this one to stick. By God's grace, you'll never forget this. When you see the Lord, when you see the Lord of glory incarnate judging the nations, I want you to understand that that's a man who's judging the world. And that man is a Jew. And that Jew has the law of God written in his heart. And when he preaches to the Jew, he preaches what's in his heart. And when he preaches to the Gentiles through his ministers and ambassadors, he preaches from his heart. And now I want to show you what's in his heart. Psalm 40, verses 6 through 11. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not desired. But then I said, Behold, I've come, and the scroll of the book is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. If you despise the law of God, you despise the very heart of Christ. And that, my friends, is a very serious sin and a great ignorance not to be lightly dismissed. If you love the Lord Jesus, you'll love his heart. Does he speak to you then from his heart? Does he know, do you know that he's delighted in this commandment? It says so in Psalm 40, in the scroll of the book is written to me, I delight to do your will, my God. And the fourth commandment, which is the commandment of delight of God, that is within his heart. That's my closing admonition and argument. I think it's ironclad in both Testaments. Christ is the mediator of the covenant of grace in both Testaments.
And we would do well to listen to the one who speaks in the Spirit to his churches today, as always. Let's pray. Now, Lord God, we, we pray this small flock would avail of the blessing of your teaching. We pray that we would bless and keep holy that which you have blessed and kept holy and made distinct from all other time. We pray that this would be wisdom that we might know Christ as he, as he has loved your ways and still proclaims your ways among the nations. We pray that we would reform and we pray that we would do so gladly, freely, and that we would avail of every ordinance, but especially that mother ordinance that opens up all other ordinances, that we might be diligent in all your holy will. For this is pleasing to you. And may our repentance be full of zeal. May we know, may we show even the angels that we are different by this teaching. And may they rejoice in the repentance of the least of all sinners to the glory of Christ and to his heart. We pray it, amen. Our last psalm is number 135a. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord's name. 135a. Praise him, servants of the Lord. 